We're diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into another edition of the Redbird Report podcast. I'm Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and there is plenty for us to get into here as the Cardinals head into their second series after the All-Star break. Cardinals took two of three from the Nationals coming out of the break and now sitting here looking at the standings. They're at 40 and 53, 11 and a half games back of the Milwaukee Brewers, and one game back, nipping at the heels of the fourth place Pirates. Now, I bet that you guys would like to break down that national series. There's lots there good pitching performances, some clutch hitting, some solid defense, some bad defense. Lots of different avenues that we could get into. Or, or we could get into a transaction that happened today. Earlier this morning, Katie Wu of The Athletic had a tweet up that said the Cardinals were planning on designating left-handed reliever Henesis Cabrera for assignment. Now, Katie Wu was on top of this before anybody else. She is always great, fantastic. By the way, if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, do yourself a favor. Get in there. Katie does a great job covering the Cardinals, all kinds of great stuff. Our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, I know this is a – Cardinals podcast, but he covers the Blues really well. The Athletic is great, and no, I'm not getting a kickback for this unless the Athletic would love to sponsor this podcast. You know what? Don't even worry about it. It's fine. We're good. But anyways, Katie was on top of stuff earlier. This move was confirmed this afternoon as Henesis Cabrera was, in fact, DFA'd rough season for Cabrera, who had been a guy in the last couple of years who had been an impact arm down the stretch, 32 games this season, ERA north of five, high whip, uh, and Really some fluctuations when it came to the stuff. Like sometimes the velo would be there, other times not. Very inconsistent. And I think that the way that he was being used was because he was inconsistent. It's my understanding maybe he didn't like the way that he was being used. Maybe voice some of that. I don't have all of the information with that. But I do know this. He gone and somebody else is in. That somebody else is Ryan Tapera. The veteran right-hander was released by the Angels last month. He was on the second year of a two-year $14 million deal with the Halos. Struggled with them this year. Only 10 games, had an ERA of 7-2-7, 15 hits in eight and two-thirds inning. After being released from the Angels, he went and signed a minor league deal with the Rangers where the results were a lot better. Eight scoreless uh, innings, 11 punch outs in the minors with the Rangers. And the Cardinals decided, and I think wisely so, because this is something that we've talked about in this podcast before, that they could really use another veteran presence down in that bullpen, which is relatively young. Nine years now in the big leagues for Ryan Tapera, 35 years old. He's been around the block. He's dealt with a little bit of everything. He's had highs. He's had lows. Uh, but he is a veteran presence that I think that this team could really use. Now, does Henesis Cabrera going out and Ryan Tapera coming in, does that make your ball club markedly better? No, not necessarily. When Henesis Cabrera is at the top of his game, he is lights out. Ryan Tapera, we haven't seen him at the top of his game this year. Did have a solid season for the Halos last year, 59 games at 3.61 ERA. 
But you don't just look at this move on the surface and say, all right, well, this club got a lot better. But it is a move, and it's the first of many moves. You do kind of wonder what the other side of this move might look like. Now, Hannes Cabrera, again, he was DFA'd, but the club does have seven days to try to trade him. And you'd think that somebody with the stuff that he has, and as we talked about when he's right, he could be very dominant, there might be a couple of teams that are willing to pony up something for him. I'm not saying a lot, but get a prospect for him rather than just let him walk. So we'll see what the back end of that deal looks like. But the Cardinals will be moving and shaking at the deadline, or at the very least, they will be selling off pieces because that has been reaffirmed more than once. John Mosellock did sit with the assembled media today for nearly a half an hour before game one of the Marlins series, and he said, look, we are committed to selling at the deadline. Now, this is something that Mo did talk about in the media recently. He was asked by Martin Kilcoin. He sat down with him, the Kilcoin conversation, KTRS, and was asked what Cardinal fans should expect at the deadline. Well, I think right now I can tell you that we're going to trade people. I just don't know if it's going to be like household names or, or more of guys that just aren't likely going to be here next year. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about what we may or may not do at the moment, but we're not going to just like have like giveaway players. Um, you know, we want to get some value in return. We want to get some return that's going to help us for 2024. And that's going to be really our focus as we enter the trading period. So the Cardinals are in a spot right now that they haven't been in recent history where this is about future planning. Now, I wouldn't mistake this with a teardown because the Cardinals still believe that they have a nucleus, specifically an offense that is ready to compete. When you look at the numbers, the offense absolutely is ready to compete. The pitching is what has been holding this ball club back. And Mo got into that quite a bit. He got into it with Martin Kilcoin of why they didn't add more pitching, said some of the pitchers that they pursued, it didn't work out. Some of the pitchers that they did pursue were close to, have been injured. Some of the guys that they wanted to give opportunities to on this club had not taken advantage of it, given a time machine. John Mosellock and company would go back and they would make a lot of changes. Uh, but here we are, right? You live, you learn, and hopefully Mo and company have learned from their mistakes of being light on pitching because you're probably screaming at the top of the lungs right now saying, man, I knew that the Cardinals were short of pitching. How did they not know? It's a great question. They tried to give some opportunities to guys. It did not work out. And here is where we are right now as the trade deadline is approaching in less than two weeks. So who's going to be out the door? I mean, I guess is the question. It's a very calloused way to say it because just being a player that has gone through trade deadlines and, look, let's not make any mistake, I was never a sought-after piece. But I had teammates that were, you know, where everybody, there were rumors swirling and far different when I played than right now where every rumor is right there. It's on your phone. You're getting a notification. You're getting a friend calling you. Like, there, there's a lot of stress that goes into the deadlines. So when I'm talking about different different guys that could be on the move. It's uh, it's just kind of part of the business. I feel for these guys. I do. I feel for the entire club of being in this position where they're at right now. I feel for, feel for Goldie and Arenado, who came over from organizations that had struggles, that pretty much did this every trade deadline. They get the taste of the playoffs again last year, and then here they are in the midst of a bit of a sell-off at the trade deadline. Like I feel for these guys, but again, feel for any of the individuals that I bring up here uh, in 
who might be gone, might be wearing a different uniform here in the future. One guy just pitched last night, Jack Flaherty. Starting pitching is hard to find, man, and good starting pitching, especially down the stretch, is enormous. I don't think that there's any better thing to have. I'd much rather go into the postseason having strong starting pitching than I would be a dominant offense. Would I like to have both? Of course I would, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with the pitching, and Jack Flaherty could be a part of that for some club out there. And again, impending free agent at the end of the year. The club right now, while 11 and a half games back and anything can happen in a horrible NL Central, they're not poised to win a championship the way that they're set up right now. They're just not. So you got to think about what do you do to make your ball club better for the next year? Well, the first thing you do is look to move some of your impending free agents. And Jack Flaherty, while being wildly polarizing for some reason, uh, and mainly, it's not for some reason, I think most of it is because he had that epic second half of 2019 and then dealt with a couple of injuries and then just was never able to repeat that and the hope was that he was going to be that guy. I think that he was tabbed as a quote-unquote ace, which is something that I know drives a lot of people nuts and has not quite lived up to that moniker. But if you're a ball club that could use an extra starter down the stretch, you're going to be looking at Jack Flaherty. Jack also peaking at the right time, if you will. Last three starts for him have been very good. 18 and two-thirds inning with a 1.45 ERA. So uh, when, when clubs are evaluating, everybody's sending out their scouts, and certainly you have video, and you have your reports already, but he has showed out quite well, and somebody that you would like to take a closer look at and see what you'd be willing to give up to get Jack Flaherty. The next guy that comes to mind is obviously another starter and another guy that is a free agent at the end of the year in Jordan Montgomery, and I will be totally honest with you, I will be shocked if Jordan Jordan Montgomery is not traded by the deadline. It's not because the Cardinals wouldn't want to keep Jordan Montgomery. Obviously, they went out and made a trade for him last year for Harrison Bader. They brought him in. He really helped solidify things, him along with Jose Quintana and the deal they made with the Pirates, and they love him. Like They, they really like Montgomery, like what he brings to the table, like the way that he's throwing the baseball, but guess what? Other teams that actually have a chance of winning probably like him even more and are going to be willing to part ways with pieces that can help you a year from now when the Cardinals are actually ready to compete. And who knows what the offseason looks like for Jordan Montgomery. Maybe there is a thought, and maybe there's a thought with Jack Flaherty as well, to bring one of these guys back into the fold. Jordan Montgomery, as many of you know, he is a Scott Boris guy. So the chances are he was going to or is going to hit free agency anyhow as opposed to signing an extension during the season. Let's hit on a couple of more free agents to be at the end of the year. How about Chris Stratton? Now, Chris Stratton also came over with Jose Quintana in that deal with the Pirates last year. And something that teams are always looking for at the deadline are solid veteran presence who can take the ball down the stretch. And maybe, just maybe, this was part of the idea also of bringing Ryan Tapera in to fill a void that could potentially be there in that bullpen if Chris Stratton were in fact dealt. Now with a veteran free agent reliever like Stratton, you're not expecting a big return, but who knows? Who knows what you might end up getting? Maybe it's a mid-level piece that turns into something, and if he's not dealt, like there's never 
too much good leadership that could happen in a bullpen and solid pieces that you can count on. But Stratton might be a guy that could be interesting for a club, especially a club that is poised for the postseason and is heading there with a very young bullpen. He might be a guy that you'd be inclined to bring in. And if you're selling pieces, if you want fireworks, you want things that go boom, how about somebody that throws 104 miles an hour? How about Jordan Hicks? Again, free agent at the end of the year. And boy, has he stepped up at the right time. Taking over the closer role for Ryan Helsley. His strikeout rate is up. I mean, he's missing bats. His pitch mix is a little bit different. He's got the confidence of a closer. And he has made some changes on the field, off the field. And he has been as consistent as we've seen him as a big leaguer. Good time to do that when you have a trade deadline coming up. And for him personally, even a better time to do that as free agents is waiting for him. I mean, I don't know what the deal is going to look like for him, and he's going to have to continue keeping up what he's doing. Um, I don't know if it'll be in the closer role. I don't know if it will be with the Cardinals, but this is a guy that's looking at, I would say, floor $8 million a year after this season. Generally, relievers don't get too long of deals, uh, but maybe looking for a three, four-year deal for for him. He's going to make some big-time money. I wonder if the Cardinals would be willing to put that kind of cash in to Jordan Hicks. But even if they are willing to, you have the offseason to do that. You have free agency to do that if you want to reunite with Hicks. So you might as well take the opportunity. This is the kind of arm that brings in game changers. This is the kind of arm that a team looks at and says that's it right there. That's the missing link. That is the piece that we do not have and we will be willing to give you what it takes to get it because we believe that's going to win us a championship. I think the market for Hicks is going to be intriguing, man, down the stretch. I think there are going to be so many teams that are going to be in on him. We'll see what it looks like, what the return looks like, but that is another one that wouldn't surprise me if they decided to make that move. So those are some of the free agents there that the Cardinals have that other teams might be very interested in. Who else? Who else pops up on the radar? I know that we've talked a lot about log jams, right? And the outfield has been a very big log jam. Well, the Cardinals have several outfielders that might be in the mix when it comes to the trade deadline. Dylan Carlson's name has been in the rumors here a little bit recently and a guy that is in his fourth year in the big leagues. You look at some of the numbers, just go, let's go simple, right? OPS plus of 103. Remember when it comes to the OPS plus, based Baseline is 100. 100 is average, so 3% above average. So he has been basically an average big league player to this point. Also had a couple of injuries here and there along the way, but he is a guy that for a club might be very interesting to take a look at. You might look at some of his numbers and say, okay, well, we bring him in, bring in a switch-hitting young outfielder, only 24 years old. We believe that we can make some of those tweaks to get him over the hump. That happens a lot when you're looking at different players from different organizations and you trust in your people. They say, hey, get me that guy, and I promise I can do something with him. I bet that Dylan's name will be thrown around a lot by teams. And the other guy that you think about quite a bit is Tyler O'Neill. Now, Tyler O'Neill is getting closer to returning. He was actually out on the field at Bush Stadium today, and he should be back soon. He will be back before the trade deadline. And, I mean, you talk about Matt. 
maddening with a player. Like he's one of the more frustrating players that I can remember because you know the ceiling is so high, but then it's injuries and then ineffectiveness, and then you just don't know what you're going to get with Tyler O'Neill. Like I have zero idea what to expect when Tyler O'Neill does in fact come back off of the IL. But I do know this. He has shown a skill set at the big league level that any team would want to covet. He's shown you gold glove defense, two-time gold glover. He's shown you big-time power, 34 home runs in 2021. He's got stolen base ability. The speed is there. So unique combination of speed and power that you don't see a lot of in the league. This is a guy that was eighth in the MVP in 2021. 2022 and 2023, boy, have not gone exactly as planned, and they've been injury-riddled for Tyler O'Neill. But think about this again as you're another club and you're looking for maybe you need right-handed pop. And you think, okay, but maybe this is it. This could be the guy. We bring him in. We're not putting all the eggs in the Tyler O'Neill basket, but he could be a game-changer for you. I think that he also will garner some interest. Now, it'll be interesting to see what some of the potential returns are going to look like for these two guys because largely unproven really with the both of them outside of the epic 2021 year for Tyler O'Neill, John Mosellock did talk to the media again today earlier for about a half hour and did reiterate, look, they're not looking to give away players. They're looking to get good enough returns to make it worthwhile. So we'll see what they look like and maybe they can put on a show here in the next 10 days and really help boost some of their value. I feel like another really interesting area here, and interesting might be the wrong word for it because I would not want to be in charge of making a move here when it comes to these couple of guys I'm going to mention. Uh, but is is your infield and the infield depth? Now, the Cardinals would like to be able to open up a spot potentially for Mason Wynn next year in the middle infield. You got a couple of guys that are here, right? You got Tommy Edmond is still here. Tommy Edmond playing a very good center field for you for the most part also. Brendan Donovan, who give me a team full of Donnies, and I think I can win. You give me eight Donovans and a pitcher, and I feel pretty good about it. And if I give Donnie a couple of weeks, I think that he might be able to get the pitching thing down too. But I guarantee you that the Cardinals are going to be garnering a lot of phone calls for both Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan. And I'll throw it out to you because that's so much easier than answering it myself. If you had to make a decision between trading Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond, which one would you choose? Don't look at me. I asked you. I didn't want to answer the question. It's a hard question. Tommy Edmond. I love Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmonds, my son's favorite player. Last year, his favorite player was Harrison Bader. How'd that work out? You think I want my kid's favorite player to be traded twice? No. No, I don't want that. Now, a second favorite player, I think, is Brendan Donovan. So that hurts, too. And I love Brendan Donovan. I just told you, give me eight Brendan Donovans, and I feel like I'm going to win a game. And these two players, while seemingly similar, are very different. You have Tommy Edmond that can play two defensive prime positions at shortstop and at center field. Now, I will say this, even though we've only seen it in a small sample size, I believe him to be a better center fielder than he is a shortstop. And this isn't a knock on him at shortstop. It is pumping him up and propping him up of what he's done in center field. His best position is second base. I think that he moves really well there. But there is a tremendous amount of value of his versatility up the middle and where you can put him. Now, offensively, he's basically a lead 
league average player. We'll go back to the OPS plus. A 100 OPS plus for Tommy Edmond in his career. He is a league average offensive player. Brendan Donovan on the flip side cannot play those premium positions, right? You're not going to put him at shortstop for long. You could put him there if you needed to in a pinch, but chances are he's not going to stay there for a long time. He's better on the corner infield spots, can play second base for you, obviously can play the corner outfield spots as well. Offensively, a better player than Tommy Edmond has been. We'll just use it again. We'll just go back to the very simple OPS plus here. In his career, in in Brendan Donovan's career, he is a 122 OPS plus. That's 22% above the average major league player. He gets on base at a higher clip. He hits for more average. He's got power potential. He works counts. He's a real pain in the butt when he's up there at bat. I really like what the Cardinals have with Brendan Donovan. But if they do want to open up some space, they might have to make a decision like this, and especially if a phone call comes with a very good return that can help this club for 2024. It's a decision that I would not want to have to make between those two, but it is a possibility that one of those two could be walking out the door. While we're on the topic of infielders, what about Nolan Gorman? You know that Gorman's name is going to come up. If you want something big, if you want a big cost-controlled pitcher, then Nolan Gorman is likely going to have to be attached to a deal like that. Big-time power, showed it off again last night, his 18th home run of the season, and by the way, has turned himself into one heck of a second baseman, which is not his primary position. As you know, he came up as a third baseman. But if you're trying to pull off a big deal, that's the type of player that is going to have to be attached to it. And I I don't think that you're going to get Jordan Walker. I believe that he's one of those cold, dead hands one. I don't think that they are inclined to want to trade Mason Wynn. But who knows? The right deal. you got to do the right things. Not sure how they feel about Tink Hens. Gorman is the only name, and it's not that they don't want to keep him because I know they want to keep him. And I think that if they didn't want to keep him, they might have a different catcher right now because he might have been a linchpin in that Sean Murphy deal. But sometimes you got to get uncomfortable to make deals that you believe are going to make you better for the future. Now, right now, without knowing what that return might look like, who that player might be that you'd be giving up a guy, hard to believe that you get much better than the power at that position specifically. Just the power in general, though, of the 23-year-old still growing Nolan Gorman. But phones will be ringing. John Mosellock, Michael Gersh. I mean, these guys going to be answering phone calls about all of these guys. How would you feel if they moved Gorman on the surface? Don't love it. Don't love it. Until I find out the return, then we will see. Another area of note, I think, is the catching position for the Cardinals. As we all know, Wilson Contreras, he signed a five-year deal to be the backstop for the Cardinals. We also know there have been some hurdles, and we do know that they are currently carrying three catchers right now, as Yvonne Herrera has impressed, and they said that he will be getting more playing time behind the plate. Andrew Kisner recently recalled from the IL, so they're currently carrying the three catchers on the roster. Does Herrera find himself being one of those guys that gets moved? Remember, he was supposed to be the heir apparent for Yadier Molina. Now, when he got called up last year, still young, wasn't quite ready for the job. They looked and said, no, we need we need something more solidified or at least a bat that they knew was going to play at the big league level out of that position. That's why the pivot to Wilson Contreras. But now showing off on a big stage, maybe Herrera ends up getting some looks. And when we're talking about trades and we're talking about rebuilding and talking about the future, I know that many 
continue to jump right to Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Figure if you want to do it, do it. These guys will bring you a bunch in return. A couple of things that go with that. One is the obvious is that they both have full no trade clauses. So if there was a deal, they would have to okay it. Um, Arenado left a bunch of money on the table by not opting out. He wanted to be in St. Louis. I know his comments at the All-Star break said it's a business, he gets it, whatever. He's not going anywhere. And the Cardinals have been pretty adamant that they're not planning on moving Arenado or Goldschmidt. And on that note, I was reading an interesting tweet from Ben Fredrickson. Ben Fred obviously writes for the Post-Dispatch, does a fantastic job. Here's the tweet. says something to note. The Cardinals are going out of their way to say intention isn't to trade Arenado and Goldschmidt, but they are stopping short on other forward-looking commitments. One of those is Wilson Contreras as primary catcher. It was described as a topic better revisited in the offseason. That is incredibly intriguing yet again. Remember when Wilson was an outfielder for a few hours? That was cool. That was cool. But that was, I think, kind of an intention for a minute. And then it didn't happen. They DH, trying to work with the staff, trying to get things going. But realistically, as an organization, if you don't believe that he is going to be the answer behind the plate for the next four years, then you have to make a pivot. You're paying him his money already, okay? So you get into the old sunken cost fallacy of, well, we're paying that money. He's got to be there. Like, if he's not going to make your pitching staff better, if at least you don't believe that he is going to, it is absolutely something that you should revisit in the offseason. I think that Contreras has been getting better throughout this season. I'm sure, like anything else, the relationships, the knowing his staff, the knowing the tendencies of what makes each one of these guys tick. It gets better every time he goes out there and gets the opportunity to work with these guys. But I do think that is a very intriguing note. And again, especially the part where it says described as a topic better revisited in the offseason. So keep an eye on that one. I don't expect the Cardinals to go trading for a catcher at the deadline, but they might be shopping for one in the winter. We shall see. So it is going to be a crazy crazy next week and a half rumors are going to be swirling names are going to be flying players are going to be finding new places to live it is the trade deadline it is coming up here in less than two weeks i'm brad thompson this is the redbird report brought to you by 101 espn we'll keep you up to date with everything as we move forward we'll see you next time You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.